from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I am thrilled to be with you again today. On the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple and accessible to all. Coming up on today's show, we have a lot to talk about. We had a real live baseball game between two opponents that were not members of the same team. This was the Giants and the A's in Oakland, and my goodness, did it have more storylines than just the game. We'll talk about the two historic moments that took place in this game, which is, you know, wild for an exhibition game. You wouldn't have expected that. And then we'll talk about the game itself, which was quite a good one for the Giants and for a particular outfielder who's been kind of ignored in a lot of conversations we've had about this team. So the Giants won 6-2, to two, but the big story of the game happened before it even started. The story was that Giants manager Gabe Kapler, two of his coaches, and several Giants players, including Jalen Davis, Mike Yastrzemski, Austin Slater, and Chadwick Tromp, were kneeling for the national anthem. And there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, the first thing that jumps out is that Gabe Kapler becomes the first head coach of any major North American sport to do so, to kneel for the anthem. And this is not something that ever really caught on at all in baseball. There was one player on the A's, actually, on this exact same field several years ago who kneeled, I want to say Bruce Maxwell was his name, and he was like a backup catcher. And he kneeled and kind of, I think he said that he was kind of disowned by the sport after he did that. So for the Giants to do this was extremely significant, and it got the attention of, you know, baseball fans nationally and MLB uh, their Twitter account retweeted this and and kind of put a Black Lives Matter hashtag I think and had some spicy responses to people who had you know negative feedback to to provide so specifically I mentioned the players Davis Yastrzemski Slater Trump there may have been others I'm reading Andy Baggerly in the athletic here to get my information and this, this story alone is worth the price of a subscription to The Athletic, I would just say. So additionally, the two coaches that kneeled with Kapler were Antoine Richardson, who is African Bahamian, and Justin Veely. And also of note, shortstop Brandon Crawford stood between Jalen Davis, who is the only African-American giant on the 40-man roster, and he uh, was touching the shoulders of each player standing in between them. Jalen Davis um, put out a very heartfelt piece in the Players' Tribune about a month or so ago uh, related to the racism he's experienced as a black baseball player. And he, he said he's not normally outspoken and he's quite a timid kind of guy and soft-spoken guy. And it was really difficult for him to write that. So it was a powerful piece. I suggest anyone read it if you haven't done so. Probably would be easy to find because it did get a lot of attention, thankfully. So he's kneeling here as the only African-American Giants player. And then the backstory is that 
Kapler reached out to other major league organizations to seek advice on how to raise the issue, which is about police brutality and it's about systemic racism uh, in a way that would promote inclusiveness and mutual respect instead of divisiveness. And I'm reading this article from Baggerly. He says, he came to the realization that as long as the option to protest was communicated in advance and came out of group discussions, and as long as those who knelt and those who stood both felt supported and respected, then it could be something that brought the team together rather than threatened to divide them. So apparently Kapler gave a speech prior to the game and he said, quote, the first message was that our coaching staff and our organization would support any statement they wanted to make, they the players. If they kneeled for the anthem, we would support that. If they stood for the anthem, we would support that too. We wouldn't pass judgment on them for making any statement or standing up for what they believe in or for expressing themselves. And the second message I wanted to share was what my plans were. I did that because I wanted them to know that I wasn't pleased with the way our country has handled police brutality. I told them that I wanted to amplify the voice of the black community and marginalized communities as well. So I told them that I wanted to use my platform to demonstrate my dissatisfaction with the way we've handled racism in our country. I wanted to demonstrate my dissatisfaction with our clear systemic racism in our country. And I wanted them to know that they got to make their own decisions and we would respect and support those decisions. I wanted them to feel safe about speaking up. So we had these kinds of discussions for the last several days and we'll continue to have them. So then Farhan Zaidi, after the game, issued a statement to The Athletic, which expressed support for Kapler, who had gone to management and informed them of his plan to kneel. So Farhan said, we're, we're proud of our players and staff for continuing to participate in the national conversation about racial injustice. We support those who knelt to peacefully protest racial injustice and those who stood to express love of country. We do not see these as mutually exclusive sentiments and believe the freedom to express both is what our country is about. As an organization, we reaffirm our denouncement of acts of discrimination and violence against members of the black community and our pledge to work together with those who seek to end racial injustice in America. So I can read all the quotes I want, but the point is it was a powerful statement and the Giants are leading the charge here in baseball. So it's a big deal that someone with as big of a platform as Kapler did it. It's a really big deal. It's a big deal that there was a diverse mix of players and coaches, black and white, who knelt for this and supported each other regardless of uh, what they wanted to do here. Like, for example, Brandon Crawford said he grappled with this decision for the last several days and ultimately decided to stand because his sister's husband, I think, which isn't that Garrett Cole, I don't, <laughs> it must be somebody else, his wife's brother, somebody like that, uh, was in the military and really considers standing to be an important thing. And so Brandon Crawford, out of respect to his family member, decided to stand, but also touch the shoulders of those who decided to kneel. So that's a great example for what we should be doing as a country, in my opinion, which is, you know, respecting each other and and hearing each other's voices. You know, for the people who decided to kneel, 
listen to what they're saying and why they're doing this. It's not about what a lot of people think it's about. It's about injustice and discrimination, which is something we should all strive to not have in our society. The other historic moment in this game was that Alyssa Nacken coached first base at at moments in this game. I don't know if I don't think she was out there the whole time, but all of a sudden she was out there coaching first base and she's the first female coach in the history of Major League Baseball. And not only that, I mean to see her out on the field under the bright lights, it's a shame that there's no fans in the stands. Uh, it tells me that's going to happen at some point during a real live regular season baseball game. I don't know what the rules are if you can just interchange your base coaches. I think you can. My understanding was she was not going to be in the dugout during games, but maybe the pandemic changes things, and I think it was a rule about how many how many coaches can be in the dugout. I don't know if that's different this year, but she was out there coaching first base, you know, the camera on her on the field. Just a very cool moment. And several major league players, um, Hunter Pence, Adam Jones, and Jerry Blevins have tweeted out support for Nacken and basically congratulations to her for being uh, the first female coach and then, you know, certainly the first female first base coach in this pretty much real exhibition game between the Giants and the A's. I mean, these teams are going at it head to head in a real competitive situation in a major league stadium and it's a big deal that she was out there anyway coming up in the second half of the show we're going to talk about the game itself there was some big time storylines that kind of emerged out of this game so that's all coming up next but first okay as promised here in the second half of the show we're going to talk about the giants beating the a's six to two last night what went right first i want to provide an injury update we did learn yesterday that Third baseman Evan Longoria and first baseman Brandon Belt are both going to have to start the season on the injured list. Belt is dealing with a problem in his heel, and Longoria is dealing with an oblique injury that was described as moderate. Significantly, the A's had a lefty on the mound in Sean Manaya as the starting pitcher. And so get used to this, and it's not a bad thing at all. Giants had a very predominantly right-handed hitting lineup against the lefty pitcher. The only lefty in the lineup for the Giants was Brandon Crawford. They had Slater in left field, Wilmer Flores at third base, which I think get used to that with Longoria out. Donovan Solano was at second. Darren Ruff was the DH. Pablo Sandoval was at first. There are are a couple of spots in here that maybe won't be what to expect in real games. But moving on, Mauricio Dubon was playing uh, center field to start the game. Brandon Crawford at short, Jalen Davis in right, and Chad Tromp at catcher, significantly perhaps. So the one thing in there I wouldn't expect on like opening day is that I don't think Sandoval would be in there as the first baseman. I think we'd see probably Darren Ruff at first base and Hunter Pence at DH. And so I think Pence is still still dealing with a bit of a foot issue, so they probably just want him to rest and not have to run the bases. In the intra-squad games, he could hit and then not run. But in a competition like this, they're not going to have him you know, swing the bat and then not run the bases. But significantly, I mean, Austin Slater, let me just get to the point. He had a hell of a night. And batting leadoff, I mean, it made you know Farhan and Kapler, Kapler look kind of like geniuses, having 
Slater in there batting leadoff. It's kind of the first we've seen. We talked yesterday about how the DH thinned them out a little bit in the outfield. And Slater against left-handed pitching does goes a long way to potentially address that issue. So the thing is, Slater does have notable platoon splits in his career. Against left-handed pitching, he's been about 7% above league average offensively, hitting 285 with a 356 on base and 404 slugging. So not really showing much with the power, but that's quite a good on-base percentage against lefties, which is what you want at the top of the order. I mean, it's what you want everywhere, but especially maybe at the top of the order. But against right-handed pitching in his career, he's been about 17% below league average offensively, hitting 234 with a 320 on base. That's impressive. He's still been able to get the on base that high. And a 344 slugging. He's also struck out 32% of the time against righties. This is in a sample of 328 plate appearances against righties and 216 against lefties. Strikeout rate is just 24% against lefties. So it is a small sample. A few hundred plate appearances is not enough to draw definitive conclusions by any means. But still, in the sample, that's not tiny, significantly better against lefties. And the strikeout rate alone tells me a lot that he's you know, better suited perhaps against left-handed pitching. So he proved that last night going three for four with five runs batted in because basically he came up in all the biggest spots and delivered every time. He hit a three-run double against Manaya in the second inning. And then he hit a two-run double in the seventh inning. Wilmer Flores had an interesting game. He had some good at-bats, had just a bloop single to show for it, and he was tested a lot defensively at third. I think Giants are not going to probably find that his third-base defense is, is that good. I think we saw some of that last night. He made some good plays, but he also, you know, I could just see that there's the potential for some some miscues that could cost the Giants. And that's by design. I mean, he's not the primary third baseman that was supposed to be Evan Longoria. So you're not going to get a perfect player defensively from out of Flores at third base. But I think the bat against left-handed pitching should make up for any deficiencies there. Darren Ruff went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Um, I think he's still trying to find his swing after the hiatus. Mauricio Dubon made at least one play in center where I was able to kind of watch him take a route and glide over to the ball and he looked like a natural outfielder to me. Chadwick Tromp had two hits batting ninth here and the fact that he was starting at catcher in the second to last game before the season gets going tells me something potentially. I mean if they want to go with Heineman and Brantley wouldn't they want to get them some looks especially maybe Heineman against the left-handed pitcher. That tells me perhaps Trump is the guy who they're going to carry as a, as a bat against lefties. And maybe Heineman and Brantley are competing for that other side. So it'll be very interesting who we see tonight. I don't know who's going for the A's, but if assuming it's a righty, which is not something I should just assume, but whoever's starting at catcher, I think you know that will tell us a lot. But the point is, Lefty on the mound, Manaya, who was only throwing like in the mid-80s, which was kind of alarming if I'm an A's fan. 
the Giants' almost all-righty lineup was just tough. Righty after righty after righty after righty is tough on a left-handed pitcher. And that's what the Giants are going to do all season. And then, you know what? Uh, The opponent gets tired of that. They bring in a right-handed pitcher, and you've got your lefties on the bench. The Giants had Dickerson on the bench, Yastrzemski on the bench. When they're healthy, they'll have Belt on the bench. So they'll be able to get a good matchup again when the opponent goes to a a right-handed reliever. So it's going to be different, and it is definitely the way to get the most out of your players. I just want to add something Austin Slater said after the game. He said, quote, I like hitting lefties. And one more thing from Slater, courtesy of Henry Shulman of the San Francisco Chronicle. Slater said, I feel great at the plate right now. I was able to put in a ton of work with our hitting coaches, Donnie Ecker and Justin Veely, at our facility in Arizona after it reopened. So I'm definitely confident in the work we've put in, which translated tonight. So just another example, the Giants hitting instructors could have a huge underrated impact on every single one of their hitters, anyone who wants to take advantage of what they're teaching. There's the potential for a big benefit. But I mean, realistically, it's going to work for some guys probably, and it's not going to work for others. But I think we should expect that there's going to be some changes. We see lots of guys with different stances as an example, and you know, they've reworked their swing, so they might not be the same player that we're used to. Things are different. Mechanically, it's different. Therefore, you might get different results. Next, I want to talk about CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners here at Locked On Giants 25% off for your next order when you use promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. That is all the time we have for today. Remember to get this show every weekday. You need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Giants play the A's again tonight, this time at Oracle Park. So we'll be back tomorrow to talk about that game and prepare you for the upcoming start of the regular season. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspik. That's K-A-S-P-I-C-K. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 